Welcome back to the Messy Reformation. My name's Jason Rice. I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey. He's a member at Pease CRC in Pease, Minnesota. We're just a couple of guys who love the Christian Reformed Church and want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. But we realize that whenever Reformation happens, in the history of the church, things get messy. And after the last couple of synods, nobody's going to disagree that things are really getting messy in the Christian Reformed Church. So we're having conversations with pastors throughout the Christian Reformed Church to find out what's going on in our denomination, but also to talk about what Reformation might look like. If you haven't already, take a moment, click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We're dropping episodes every single Sunday evening. It's also important for you to know that you are our marketing plan. We rely on you to spread the word about what we're doing at the Messy Reformation. We rely on you to share our content. We also rely on you to give us five-star reviews and provide good feedback for our podcast so that the algorithms push our content out into the world. You are our marketing plan. You can also support us financially on Patreon or Substack. All of the money raised is used to fund online hosting and build the platform of the Messy Reformation. You may even see a Messy Reformation conference coming in 2024. So keep your eyes peeled for an announcement. With all that said, we're going to get to part two of Willie and I's conversation about guiding airing office bearers into compliance. And then the question is, okay, what is it? What is the dying away of the old self, or, or what Willie was saying? What does it mean to to die to yourself, to 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 die to Christ, or as Bonhoeffer said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Uh, the Catechism says, well, that means in question eighty nine to be genuinely sorry for sin and more and more to hate and run away from it. Okay, that's what it means to to die to yourself, to be crucified with Christ. It means to to die to your sin and to hate it, to hate sin and to run away from it more and more, right? Or it's what the Puritans like to call mortifying the flesh. Mm-hmm. But the opposite of that is the is what is the rising to life of the new self. It's wholehearted joy in God through Christ and a love and delight to live according to the will of God by doing every kind of good work. And so, so with both of these things at the, you're, you're, you're hating sin, you're turning away from it, you're running away from it, but also you're, you're living into this joy, a wholehearted joy in following Christ and doing what he's called you to do. And, and if you truly love what Christ has called you to do and love the life that he's given you to live, um, you want people to be correcting you because you know that any, you know, to step off the path that Christ has laid out for you is sin and death and destruction. So you don't want to do that. You you want to walk down the path. You want to live the life he's called you to live. And so that means constant correction. And uh, and so I guess I would encourage anybody listening to this. If if you don't have someone in your life who's reg- who you can regularly come to, who's willing to correct you, rebuke you, train you in righteousness, uh, find somebody who will do that. And uh, and if you caught what I was quoting there, I'm quoting scripture. It says all scripture actually is God breathed and useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, training in righteousness so that the man of God may be uh, complete, equipped for every good work. And so you need somebody who's doing that to you, with you as well 
and using God's word uh, to do that with you as well. But find somebody who can do that. And, uh, you know, Willie and I have had that relationship over the years where we're both willing to come to the other person and say, okay, here's what's going on now. Do I need to be correct or rebuked in this? Mm -hmm. And I think the Puritans said it very well when they said, Satan will always attack the ship that does not sail in convoy. Mm -hmm. So that was their way of saying the Christian life is not one that is lived on your own, in your own wisdom, in your own strength, by your own standards. Um, You need people who are also in step with the spirit of God and who are in his word daily and who are using that word to be correcting sin, not only in their lives, but also in yours. Um, and that's kind of what it plays into. Again, you'll save yourself and your hearers. Um, and I've been a recipient of that grace. So um, personally, I, I like the means of grace at my disposal. Amen. And, you know, just to take what you're saying, I mean, we're talking about this now and just kind of the individual Christian life. Um, but the same thing, you start extrapolating that principle out into a denomination. Uh, which churches do you think Satan wants to attack? Those who are trying to sail alone, which is a great analogy because um, I don't know how many people listening to this podcast know, but we call a classis a classis because that's the Dutch word for a fleet of ships mm-hmm. that are sailing together, right? So it's a this image that all of our churches in a classis are ships kind of sailing together, working with each other, but heading in the same direction. And uh, if one of those ships decides they want to like sail off on their own and take a different path from everybody else, what ship do you think Satan's going to want to attack? The the one that's sailing off on its own. And it's the, the job of those, uh, those other ships to try to help bring that church back, right? Bring that ship back. So into protection and into fellowship and to, accountability uh to protect it mm-hmm. yep i agree and again i've been the recipient of this i mean we've had a relationship like this for what 15 years something like it's getting to be a long time that's about half my life man uh <laughs> and i can say i i've been a recipient of correction that has come from you to me that's been from the spirit of god and i think churches need to take a serious cue from this um you know i a wise man told me everybody needs three kinds of Christians in their life. Everybody needs a Paul, you know, someone who's older than them and wiser than them and can uh, instruct them and mentor them. Um, everybody needs, um, I believe, a Barnabas, you know, somebody who is not, you know, so easily pleased with you. They're more a peer and a co-laborer with you. And then people need a Timothy um, who you are the Apostle Paul over essentially, uh, somebody who you can be mentoring and pouring into. Um, and that's kind of why this podcast exists right now. And whatever fruit can come from that is just born out of biblical principles. So mm-hmm. we're not saying anything new here. No, you know, I'm going to tell a story that's going to be funny. It's going to make me look worse than you. Oh, good. Uh, but I think this story has come up in, in kind of hind in broad ways, but uh, it just popped into my mind as we were talking about the ship sailing alone, but it, it, in my mind, it was t- <laughs> the the canoeer who canoes on his own. Um, the, this we had this this uh, event that happened, and I think it is actually really relevant to what's going on. Um, you know, this is back when Willie was. In, I think what year were you? Were you a senior this year? Yeah, I was twenty eleven. I was a graduated yeah, so you were senior. A senior. I was still kind of getting my feet under me as a youth pastor. 
uh, we took the youth group on a, on a canoe trip and like most of the youth group had never canoed before. So there are a whole bunch of kids who had never been in a canoe. And then of course, like a few days before this canoe trip, we had a massive storm. The water levels came way up on the river. The river was just hauling fast. And then there were a whole bunch of extra trees that were down. Um, on the river. And so it was kind of a treacherous journey, but we thought, okay, we'll be able to do this. Um, I've, I've canoed that river like hundreds and hundreds of times. And so I'm going to be in a kayak and I'll be going ahead of the youth group, picking out, telling them like, go this way, this way is safe. Don't go this way. There's a tree down. And so I was doing that. And throughout the entire trip, Willie was disobeying me in his canoe. I would say, youth group, go right around this island because this is the best way. And then Willie and his partner would go left around the island. And uh, and just and I would kind of rebuke them and they would say, you've taught us not to follow the ways of the world, but to follow <laughs> stupid teenagers. <laughs> Anyways, and so I was getting, most of the time it didn't matter because there wasn't like a major obstacle around the other side of the island. But it was just annoying me that they were just being kind of rebellious in spirit. And so it was kind of eating up on me over and over again. I was getting more and more frustrated. And we come around the river bend and I looked at the island and I was checking it out and said, okay, it's clear around the left side. Everybody will go around the left side. Well, I get around the left side of the island and there's a tree down. And it's like the kind of tree that kills people. You get your canoe trapped in it, you drown. Can and confirm. So I, start, I start screaming, go right go right. And I'm getting sucked into the tree in my kayak. I'm about ready to like get trapped under the tree. And I, thankfully, I, I don't even remember what happened. I just remember like bailing out of my canoe in the middle of the water, standing chest deep in the middle of the river with the current hauling, getting out. And who do you think the first person around the corner on the dangerous side of the Island is Willie with a huge crappy grin on his face. And, uh, and I lost it. <laughs> and I mean, I, I dropped a lot of four letter words that should never come out of the mouth of a youth leader and uh, <laughs> grabbed their canoe and pushed it around the safe side of the, of the tree and, uh, got everybody through and then, uh, sent the youth group off for a while and said, um, well, actually the other leaders are like, Jason needs to calm down. That was totally unacceptable and out of control leave him by himself for a while. <clears throat> I spent, I spent the rest of that canoe trip by myself, letting the other leaders lead our youth group, uh, beating myself up for how bad I had just messed up. Um, and the poor witness that I had had, even though Willie was a stupid teenager in that moment, how I responded in my correction and rebuke was much stupider. Um, and so I spent my, that, beating up. And, and I re was remembering back, I had a similar incident with a youth leader when I was in high school who freaked out, started calling me a bunch of names um, and they never repented of it. And I lost all respect for them. And so I remember taking the opportunity thinking I have to make this right with the youth group. And so that night we had a bonfire and, and I just confessed and repented to the youth group and said, Hey, what I did was totally unacceptable. Um, I'm sorry. I should have never done that. Uh, will you forgive me? Um, and it was a powerful moment really. Um, because every teenager, including Willie came up and said, Hey man, I forgive you. And, uh, and then just 
by God's provision, we sang Amazing Grace right after that. And I, I was leading worship. I couldn't even make it through the song. I was just bawling because I finally, I was like realizing the power of God's amazing grace. And anyways, that whole story I think is relevant just because for one, it, it for me, it has shown me the, the, just the beauty of repentance, the beauty and power of repentance, and also the dangers of not listening and trying to be a ship sailing off on your own. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, I remember that day. I remember that night very well. Um, it's been one of my favorite um, moments that were used as teaching moments in my life. And um, I take it very seriously. And that's kind of a, a little parable of what the Christian life is supposed to be. Um, you're going to have people, not necessarily teenagers, but in this case it was, um, who are straying from the path and being disobedient. And it's the leader's job. It is those who are in authority's job to call you out of your disobedience and into obedience and in compliance. Um, and that didn't mean that I did it with a smile on my face as I was getting yelled at. Uh, and it didn't mean I didn't regret my decision shortly thereafter either. Um, it's not fun to make Jason mad, but, (laughs) (laughs) but as you said, later that night, we were able to, we were able to be reconciled. And that's the beauty, um, actually of being confronted, uh, with your own sin. Uh, and then actually being reconciled again to a brother, uh, to say, we are good now. Um, there is nothing that is bad between us. We have, you know, we, for goodness sake, we could take the Lord's supper again. I mean, that's, that, that's how serious that is. Um, and we're able to be restored into full fellowship with each other. That is the beauty of what we are actually calling office bearers into right now. And the reason why we're so passionate about this is because we have lived this. We have experienced this. And it's because of experiences like that, that we have a relationship like we do, like we have a podcast like we do, that God has given us a platform like he has. So we we take these things very seriously. Um, you know, there's, there's more rejoicing in heaven, you know, over a sinner who repents. Uh, we take that very seriously. I was somebody who was corrected. Jason has been corrected. Um, and the, the, the proper way to respond to correction is in a spirit of humility. It's understanding that this person has your best interest at heart. And then ultimately they are operating in authority over you in, as was my case with you. But here we have covenanted together and we have agreed to hold one another mutually accountable. Mm-hmm. We have come along aside each other and said, I'm going to be looking after you. And I expect you to be looking after me too. It goes both ways. I guarantee you, if uh, if a church in my classes was either in life or in doctrine going astray and someone from classes Grand Rapids East uh, were to look at us and to say, hey, what's going on over there? I can see you're not living in a way that's honoring to Christ. The congregation in my classes should rejoice that there is a congregation who loves us enough to call us back into faith and fellowship. So that's why these conversations are so important. Amen. That's why we're, that's why we're passionate about it. Yeah. And it's a reminder too. you know, part of that story I think is just a helpful full reminder for us is that you can actually be correcting someone 
for doing something wrong and then be wrong in the correction of it as well. Right. And so it's a reminder for us as we're uh, kind of living into these decisions from 2023 and we're guiding airing office bearers into compliance. Uh, we don't want to be a jerk in that as well. We need to do that work in humility and we don't want to be coming in guns a blazing, freaking out. And, uh, uh, but we also don't want to be so afraid that we don't do it either. Um, we have to go in and we have to do the correction to the best of our ability, go in prayerfully. I think we go in offering correction with humility and offering correction with love saying we're, we're actually here to correct you because we love you and because we want what's best for you. And then maybe that conversation goes sideways and maybe there's tempers flare up and, and you get angry and they get angry and maybe you end up saying things that you shouldn't have said. Well, guess what your response is to that? You go back, you either repent in the moment or you go back and you repent and you say, Hey, I'm sorry. What I did was wrong. I'm not sorry for like offering correction, but I'm sorry for the way in which I offered correction. Cause that was, that was inappropriate. Right. And this is, I mean, anybody who listens to this podcast, who's had kids has had to have this conversation with their kids. I assume I, I have to have this conversation with my kids where I'll say, I'll have to come back and say, Hey, I'm sorry for how I handled that. What you did was wrong. And just because I handled it wrong, doesn't mean that what you did was right. You're still in trouble, but I'm owning that how I handled my correction of you was, was wrong and inappropriate for me to handle as a father. And so I'm sorry for that. Now, let's talk about what the consequences are. <laughs> and so like you, you still have to, you still have to carry that out, but if you mess up, repent of that and, and move forward, even as you're calling others to repentance, that's, that's the Christian life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, the, the best, I can say the best highlights in my life and the times where I've grown the most are when those who I know love me and those whom I trust have confronted me with sin. Um, because those are the moments in which the spirit of God really has had the opportunity to work on me. Um, Amen. for me to crucify my old man, for me to die to myself and to rise to newness of life. Um, and really, um, we're talking about this in, in the Christian reform context because that's where we are, but this should be the goal of the church universal. Um, the church, Catholic, small c, if you will. Um, so this is a cue that anybody, whether you're listening to this podcast and you're Christian Reformed or you're not, uh, these are just good principles to live by um, because it's actually how God has instructed us to live um, as believers who are a part of the body of Christ, whether we like it or not. Um, you know, these, these people, we are a family. Um, one of my favorite, you know, this is the family of God. It's one of my favorite hymns. Um, and that ultimately is a picture of the reality that we're living in right now. Family's messy sometimes, but sometimes you need to enter into that mess so that restoration can be arrived to. Amen. And not only that, but um, biblically speaking, being in a family requires discipline. Mm -hmm. um, being covenanted together uh, requires discipline. I mean, Hebrews 12, right? Hebrews 12, verse 7, it's for discipline that you have to endure 
God is treating you as children or as sons. Mm -hmm. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. You're you're not part of the family if you're left without discipline. Mm-hmm. And so it goes on and talks about, of course, for the moment in verse 11, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And so just like part of being in a family, part of being covenanted together as a denomination requires discipline. And if we're not disciplining, then we're not actually being a family. Um, and, and that's not helpful. And, and, and yeah, I've said this on the synod floor a couple of years ago that as I've reflected back on my life, I, I do that a couple times a year. I go back through all my old journals and kind of just reflect on some of these big turning points in my life. And I have recognized that all of those big turning points have come because of a rebuke and a painful, sharp rebuke at times. I've said the entire, my entire ministry turned. I could have gone, I was heading down a path that was light, fluffy, seeker sensitive, all of that path. I was heading down that path because it was flashy and I thought it looked cool. And it took someone to rebuke me and say, like, you need to focus on God's word. Um, and this is somebody who was not as mature as me of a believer. Um, and they, but they had, I was so thankful that they came up to me and corrected me and said, you need to knock it off. You need to focus on God's word and teach and preach God's word. It changed the entire course of my ministry, but it also, it left me in a funk for about a week where I, I wrestled, I, I struggled and I was felt guilty and, um, you know, and God had to work on me for a little bit and that's okay. Um, because it changed everything about how I do life and how I do ministry. Um, and it was because of a rebuke by someone. I've shared rebukes that my wife has given me over the years. There's rebukes that Willie has given me over the years that have completely changed the course of my life and ministry. A close friend of mine who's, uh, I should have him on the podcast one of these days. Uh, Jeff Bazine has been uh, oh, yeah. with, with Willie and I for a long time. I mean, he's rebuked me. He's come up to me and said, are you making this decision because you're being prideful right now? Right? I mean, just flat out call me on the carpet. And we had to have a wrestling match about that. And uh, that's beautiful. That's a, that's a good thing. We need, to, we need to have people doing that in our lives. And we have to be willing to do that in other people's lives because we recognize this is how we're shaped and conformed into the image of Christ. And my thought on this also is, you know, if you're, not under discipline, if you're not submitting yourself to discipline, it's like you said, you're not a part of the family. And I would even submit to you, if someone is not doing that to you, they're not loving you. Uh, as much as they want to coin and hold on to the term as tight as they can, I want to love you. It is not loving to leave someone in their sin no matter what category of sin it is. If you recognize sin in somebody's life and you are not going to somebody first and saying, I think there's an issue going on here, you need to repent of the sin in your life right now, then that's not you're, you're not being loving towards somebody. You're not actually extending them the opportunity 
to receive the grace that is in Christ Jesus for them. And ultimately, I can say that is not love. Uh, that That is something else. And that's another gospel. Uh, to say that I'm just going to embrace your sin, I'm going to accept your sin, I'm going to affirm you in your sin, is to say that it is okay to me if you ultimately end up in hell. There's no greater hate that I think anybody could ever have for somebody than to inevitably watch them head down the road to eternal destruction. And how much more loving is it for someone to say, this is not what God wants for you. This is not walking in accordance with his will. Please return back to the fold. Be conformed into the image of Christ. Lay aside these desires and put on Christ. That is love. Yeah. And find joy. That's right. True joy, right? I mean, to, and that's, uh, that's straight out of the confessions. To, to turn from your sin, to hate it more and more, and to follow Christ is to find joy. And, and to not call someone to do that is to steal their joy. And, uh, and so that's, uh, that's also, yeah, it's also a big part of it. So, yeah, it's a lot of talk about discipline today, but I think it's, it's really, I mean, we, there's a lot of talk about it being the third mark of the church and, and we all recognize that that's it. There's a reason why it's a third mark of the church because it's the discipleship part of word and sacrament. The first two parts, uh, uh, marks of the true church. Discipline is where the rubber hits, uh, the rubber hits the road. And, uh, and we start discipling people in living out uh, word and sacrament. And so, and we just need to recover that. We need to recover that at a denominational level. We need to recover that at a classical level. And I'm sure everybody listening to this recognizes we need to recover that um, at a congregational level as well. I think uh, we're here because most congregations aren't doing discipline and we just need to start trying to figure it out. And uh, we're going to fail as we do it. We're going to mess up. We're not going to do it perfectly. And I think we can recognize that and do the best we can. And when you mess up, what do you do? You go repent and say, hey, sorry, we didn't do that quite right. We want to do better next time. And uh, and keep doing that because you love love your people. You love your fellow brothers and sisters in your church. And because you love your fellow churches and classes and because you love your fellow classes at Synod, uh, we have to keep carrying out that that work of discipleship and and discipline. Hmm. And nobody loves doing it, right? I think mm-hmm. everybody hates doing discipline. Um, that's uh, even, even people like me who talk about discipline all the time, people must think sometimes that I just love it. Um, and I hate it. I have a knot in my stomach every time I sit down to talk to somebody about, uh, even when I'm talking with Willie about issues and Willie and I have this long relationship of being able to correct and rebuke one another. But if I ever have to sit down with him, I still have a knot in my stomach because I want to, you don't want to break that friendship. Right. But also it's like, Hey man, I love you more than that. And we are going to have this conversation, but I hate it, but I do it because Christ has called me to do it. And I know it's good. Yeah. I, I heard those exact words or that exact sentiment echoed by Aaron Vriesman uh, at Synod this last year. Um, he chaired the majority report for my committee and he even said, uh, he asked the chair, I would like this to go on record if it could. This really sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
in that moment in time. And everybody knew that was a really heavy night. That was a really heavy moment. That was when the majority report for my committee passed. Mm-hmm. And uh, we understood we understood what that meant. Our, our opposition tried to say, well, you don't understand the, the ramifications and the consequences of what comes after this if this passes. No, we do. And that's why we're not doing it with a smile on our face. Yeah. Um, we understand that this means that we are going to have to enter into serious discussions with those in our churches, on our councils, in our classes about how this is going to work moving forward. And those conversations aren't fun. And those conversations weren't fun on the floor of Synod. They were not fun in the advisory committee. But also, like you said, and like what Aaron said, I'm up here because I believe this is where God has called me to be. And he has called me to speak the truth of what he's revealed in his word. And that's what we have to stand on. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And if that's not our hope that we're extending to people and we're just going to give them over to their own devices, then that's not a body that is exercising and demonstrating the third mark of a true church. And therefore, we would cease to be a true church. So I praise God and I celebrate and I rejoice for the actions of Synod this year and how we did speak clearly and definitively. But I understand that this leaves congregations in a whirlwind. And I would say this is actually a prime opportunity to experience what we've been talking about this whole time. Um, these are prime opportunities for discipleship. These are wonderful opportunities for God by his Holy Spirit to be working in the hearts and the minds of those in this denomination and others to say, this is not the best that I have in store for you. This is not what I have uh as I have revealed in my word as to how you are to live and to walk. I'm calling you to something better and I'm calling you to something higher. In my presence, there is fullness of joy. And at my right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So lay aside these desires and come and put on Christ. Amen. Yeah. And I would just say, as we kind of wrap up this podcast, some just practical things that uh, we want to encourage you to do coming out of this is, for one, um, if you have someone in your life who you have this kind of a relationship with, um, go talk to them and, and ask them, hey, is there something in my life that needs to be corrected, trained, rebuked? Um, is there something in my life that's not quite off? I really want to know because I want to come closer to Christ. Help me help me do that. Um, and have that conversation, just you and you and this other person. And if you don't have anybody in your life who who you can have that conversation with, then go find somebody to have that conversation with. Um, just on a personal level, how can you personally uh, repent and, and live into the joy that that Christ offers you? And uh, but then, as a as a congregation, start having these conversations throughout your congregation uh, with people. Start start living into this. You don't have to fix every issue all at once, but but start start living into this correcting rebuking training and righteousness and then as a classes start living into this start guiding people into compliance and and the more we start doing that then we get to synod 2024 synod 2025 and we can start doing that as a denomination as well but but as we've said multiple times um reformation starts in your own heart first 
And then it spreads from that through your church, through your church to the classes, through the classes to the denomination. And uh, so we encourage you start start seeking discipline first in your own life before you start seeking discipline in other people's lives. And then uh, let's start living into that as a denomination, uh, willingly ready to repent and turn and find joy in, in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And as we kind of end out this podcast, um, I just want to read some words here that it's one of my favorite prayers in scripture. And it was Paul's for the Philippians. Um, and so now it is also my prayer to our listeners. And it is that our love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that we may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. We understand that all of this is for God's glory, for the furthering of his kingdom, and it is in that we give him praise. That's all we have for this week. If you want to help us out and support the Messy Reformation, another thing you can do is sign up for our newsletter through Substack. That way, you'll get episodes and summaries sent directly to your email inbox. It will also give us the opportunity to communicate with our audience, which is one of the biggest struggles of a podcast. So head over to The Messy Reformation on Substack and sign up for our newsletter. Now, stay tuned next week for our conversation with Ken Benjamins. But until then, don't forget this is Christ's church, and he bought it with his blood. And we've been warned that wolves will come in trying to destroy the flock. So, keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season. And keep fighting the good fight in this messy reformation. <laughs>